All right, welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, PK, and uh, alongside me this week uh, in beautiful Denver, Colorado, we have Wick Terrell. Wick, Hi, how are guys. you? Good to be back. All right, and uh, Eric is not with us this week. He uh, had something come up, so it's uh, we do have a special guest on. Uh, it's Dan Simborski from ESPN. Hey, Dan, guys, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Fantastic. So, uh, as many of uh, our listeners know, Dan does the Zips projection system um, for uh, that goes on Fangraphs, and so every year around this time, we like to have him on just to kind of talk about um, what the projection systems say about the Reds for the coming year, and uh, that's that's what we're going to go into today. So, um, just kind of. Our initial thoughts, I think that there are a couple of players that um, probably are look better with the Zips projection system than we would have expected, and a couple of players that look worse than we would have expected. So, um, you know, looking at the projections for the Reds, can you point to a player that, you know, in your mind stuck out as hey, I didn't think that this guy was going to look as good as he does, but Zips really likes him? Well, Zips is a big fan of, of, of Jesse Winker. Uh, it, 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 it wasn't that yeah. upset about his, his uh, problems in 2016. It really thinks that he's going to have a full bounce back, more power. Uh, so that, 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 that's probably, that would be my takeaway from the best. Because it's not like the projections are saying that the Reds are a secret World Series contender. Uh, if they are, that's <laughs> right. very buried deep beyond, just in the in the little folds of the universe. But that that that's what I would say the biggest positive surprises. So, and do you have a, a negative surprise for us? Well, in a way, Brandon Phillips was, but because Zips only projected him right. to be the third best second baseman on the team, uh, but then he went. <laughs> actually approved the trade and now he's no long he's no longer with us uh, he, he's gone pour, pour one out pour one out for that he's dude. gone to a uh i don't want to say a better place but he's gone to a different place where their chili True. isn't sweet <laughs> yeah i think uh so the the, the jesse winker projection was definitely one that stood out in my mind because it kind of uh at least from a in the batter's box uh, uh, projection looks kind of like a, a light version of Christian Yelich, which is that no power left-handed swing who gets on base well. Uh, not a lot of power, but gap power, uh, decent average, and, and manages to get on base. Which obviously, since Yelich is like my favorite non-red out there, uh, he provides a lot more on base running and defense. Obviously, but at least from an offensive perspective, it kind of seems like Winker profiles as a similar kind of guy in terms of his strikeout rate and his walk rate. And uh, that's, you know, the kind of uh, exact kind of thing that the Reds have been looking for uh, to kind of fit in the lineup around Joey Votto for so long that looking up and actually seeing uh, a system like Zips project that to be on the cusp like it is, uh, it's actually pretty exciting for the first time in a while, you know? Uh, his number one comp uh, offensively was Nick Markakis, uh, a player who Fangraphs readers torment me with on a <laughs> weekly basis with questions. They've even gone over into the Travis Sochick uh, chat, uh, asking him Mark Hakeus questions because he's in my old time slot. So, so hopefully in ten years I won't have people uh, just sending tons of obnoxious trolling questions about Jesse Winker. 
<laughs> Nick Marcakis, former Reds draftee at one point, I do believe. I don't think they signed him, but I think he was a like a 41st round draft yeah. pick of them way, way back in the day. And uh, frankly, if Jesse Winker returned yeah. out anything like Nick Marcakis, uh, I'd be ecstatic. And I think the Reds probably would be, too. Oh, yeah. Marquez was a good player, especially, I guess, from ages 23 to 27 or so. Uh, right now, I mean, he's just kind of meh. Uh, but also, it's not really a Reds comment. And I've seen, it's already, we've been five minutes, and I've already taken us off topic to the Atlanta Braves <laughs> and the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> ah, that's great. Um, on the pitching side of things, I, I, I guess there are a couple things that specifically jumped out at me. Um, just from a relative perspective, uh, how positive Zips was on both Jackson Stevens and Luis Castillo, uh, which are two names that, you know, in the, the great Reds pitching shuffle of the last three or four years, uh, I think a lot of people have a lot uh, different names in mind when they're, you know, if you ask them who the top Reds pitching prospects are, not just for 2017, but also going forward, uh, I think a lot of people would name about six or seven guys before they got to Castillo and to Stevens. Uh, Castillo, obviously, because he's just been in the system for about a month, uh, but Stevens, because he's just kind of been under the radar um Every level he's been been overshadowed by higher drafted prospects. Um, what particularly about those two guys, I guess, uh, has drawn the eye of Zips uh, in such a positive light? Uh, well, Castillo especially. I mean, it's it's always hard to say exactly what aspect of the projection is is from where because I mean, it's it's not always the easiest thing to dissect. Right. Uh, but I mean, Zips looks heavily at performance and you're looking at, at their minor league performances especially Castillo who I'm I'm pretty positive about yeah uh, they they just they are very advanced in a way I mean Castillo his his strikeout rate dropped it isn't what it was when he was at the low levels but he doesn't walk guys he doesn't allow home runs and Zips thinks that's a very fairly safe choice uh, that he might not have a huge upside but he might be okay and Having an okay picture is just fine. Uh, an average picture has value. They don't all have to be uh, Jake Arrieta, although obviously he had issues as a prospect too. But so maybe not the best example. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I would. It's too bad that Jockety isn't you know still in charge of everything because then I would joke that they acquired Luis Castilla because they thought it was the old one. <laughs> Future two year deal for a pinch bat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought it was a second baseman. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. And I guess kind of like dovetailing off that, uh, two guys that Zips isn't exactly super high on this year uh, are Robert Stevenson and Amir Garrett, who a lot of people have ranked as the top two quote-unquote pitching prospects in the system. Um, but to kind of uh, to harken back to your previous statement, a lot of that seems to be that their walk rates are very, very high relative to the other guys uh, that, that Zips was projecting. Is that kind of what you think is the reason behind uh, why their FIP numbers and their area numbers don't exactly look pretty on paper? The walk rates are a big issue. Uh, if you look at minor leaguers that walk five batters a game, uh, when, you, when you look at, uh, say, Robert Stevenson, the history for, for guys like that, it's just not that good. Zips isn't just looking at upside. I know a lot of people, when they look at minor leaguers, they look at mostly the upside. Uh, now, the walks aren't really so much an issue for, for Garrett. It's more Stevenson. Uh, for Garrett, uh, he does have limited high minors experience. And, I mean, he was in uh, A-ball just last year. Well, well, 2015, so I guess it's the year before last now. Uh, and he hasn't been particularly young for his levels. He hasn't been particularly dominating. He's had he's had good ERAs, but his strikeout rates aren't really what you would expect from a really top prospect. So Zips does see that he'll have problems as if he if he's in the majors right now. Now, obviously, it, he, he's not doomed or anything. I mean, Zips actually liked Robert Stevenson early on in his uh, professional career. Uh, 
uh, when he was down in Dayton and Billings, and he wasn't walking five guys a game. Uh, so these things are, are there's a, the, the error bars for any projection are huge. And for a pitching prospect, they're going to be larger. A lot of the guys that Zips doesn't like are going to work out, and a lot of the guys Zips does like won't, uh, because predicting pictures is hard, and nobody, a computer or person, has really found the, the Rosetta Stone that, that translates what pitching prospects do into who's going to be an excellent pitcher in the majors. That's, it's, it's a mystery to some extent still. Right on. And I, I couldn't help but notice this. I pulled up 2016's uh, Zips projections as well and pulled out a guy like Michael Lorenzen, who kind of for the same reasons as Garrett uh, didn't project as highly going into 2016. Then obviously he had the forearm injury that put him on the shelf for a little bit. And he came back as a reliever and was absolutely lights out as a reliever. Uh, heading into 2017, his projections are massively different than they were last year. Uh, I'm guessing in large part because he is projected as a reliever this year. So um, I wonder if there's something else that specifically uh, you think jumped out about a guy like him uh, who profiles now as kind of uh, one of the, the co-anchors of the Cincinnati rotation for next year. Well, one of the pluses about changing to the bullpen, it does make your projections better. Uh, Zips does have historical knowledge of of starting relief and the the less common relief to start conversion, so it, it it does kind of know what to look for. He he was excellent in relief. He did strike out. I mean, almost a batter a game, I believe, in 2016 as a reliever, yeah. and he dropped his walk rate like in half, I think. And any any projection system that looks at stats is going to see that. As significant because more often than not, when pictures do that kind of thing, it is significant. Uh, so it looks like they have a decent reliever or a good reliever, even where they had kind of a back end starter. And obviously, I'm of the belief that you have a guy starting until he proves he really can't. Uh, I don't think Lawrenson really was going to make it as a starter. So that he's having success as a reliever, that's a that's a plus to the Reds. Uh, I mean, they're going to have him for another five years. So. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of uh, uh, the relief roles, obviously the Reds are coming off the, well, in, in many ways, an in, in awfully regarded uh, worst bullpen season in modern baseball history that um, <laughs> featured more home runs allowed, I think, than any bullpen, uh, or at least any, any pitching staff over the course of the season. Um, but looking at the 2017 numbers, uh, especially with the signing of Drew Storm, which it seems to like fairly well, uh, it looks like the Reds' bullpen does project to be at least a little bit better in, God forbid, even sort of respectable uh, this particular season. Is that is that what you're seeing as well? Uh, especially when you look at the front-end guys. Really, if you look at the 2016 Reds, if you look at the at the pitchers who are most common in the bullpen, they weren't really that bad. Iglesias, Wood, Diaz, they, they weren't bad pitchers. What gets really bad is when you look at the back end of the rotation. And they had all these guys that threw like between like five and ten games and had ERAs of seven and a half. Uh, you know, like like uh Hoover what was terrible and Lane Thompson, yeah. And they had just like appearances yeah. from random pictures you remember from the past, like 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 Steve Delabar. Yeah. Um, like, oh I remember him. Oh like, god. Right. Sort of wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he here? I don't know. Okay. Uh, and that that's what really killed them is that back end of the rotation. So, I mean, the bullpen. Uh, so if they can keep the guys, if they can keep their front six, seven, or eight guys, the ones who are throwing the bullpen innings, they're going to be okay. They're not going to be good. They're going to be okay. But, I mean, at this point, it doesn't really matter if they're okay or good because, again, the Reds aren't a playoff team. I mean, there's always that little hope, but, I mean, 
I believe in crushing hope a little. I mean, that's part of my job. Uh, uh. <laughs> if anything, if it, if it helps the front office continue to make the tough decisions to get better by it being that more in their face, I'm all for it too. Absolutely. It's tough. So. It's Rebuilding's tough sometimes because you do have to make some really tough decisions. And it's hard to let someone like Brandon Phillips go. But it was something that needed to be done. And if they didn't trade him, they really would have needed to bench him this year. And it, it sucks to do that, but... If rebuilding was easy, then everybody would just do it, and it would be magical. And it's not. <laughs> the Cubs got to where they are with a lot of hard right. work and some decisions that weren't fun to make at the time. Right. Uh, and, and that's what the Reds have to continue to do. And really, they're sorting through pictures now. Some of the guys in the bullpen aren't going to be there in a couple years, but some of the guys will, and they'll have them for three, four, five, even six years in some cases. And that's an important part, again, of the sorting out process. You can't just build a, a bullpen in free agency unless you want to spend three times as much, and the Reds are not going to have a $200 million payroll. So they need to find these parts. Not everybody is going to be a top prospect. Um, I guess kind of uh, bouncing back to you know the, the comment you had about Brandon Phillips kind of needing to be benched this year because um, he profiled as you know not being as good as some of the other middle infielders the Reds had brought in. Um, when Jose Peraza's numbers were run, uh, just because I'm not specifically familiar with how Zips factors this in, uh, how much of him getting time every day as a shortstop was factored in versus now the fact that he looks like he's going to be a second baseman uh, primarily this year? And would that have any specific difference in terms of playing time availability or positional adjustment in Zips? Well, the playing time availability, Zips doesn't know how players will be used. Right. I keep Zips purposely agnostic on that point, simply because I want my opinion and the computer's opinion to not really be interconnected too much. Because it's hard for someone to use a projection if they don't know what part of that is what the data say, and what part of it is what Zaborski thinks. And if you can't separate that, it's really hard for someone to use that that information. Uh, I try to keep the computer as neutral as possible, well, Zips tries to be agnostic about playing time because it doesn't really know what happens, and it's a weird thing to ask a computer to do. I mean, how do you tell a computer, okay, Peraza will start if Phillips is traded, but Phillips has a new trade clause, but they might keep him, but then he might still start anyway because it's hard to bench him. You can't really ask a computer to do that. I prefer more information than less. Uh, I prefer Zips to project what a double-A player could do in the majors if they were full-time, rather than just project them for zero at-bats, zero batting average, zero on-base percentage, zero slugging percentage. That, that's not information. And so I try to use Zips at, at what a computer does best. Sifting through large amounts of data, zip, computer projections do a good job with that. Predicting what a manager will do and what a PR of the, of the organization will think, uh, that's, that's not really a good thing for a computer, I don't think. <laughs> right on. Right. That, that was the one thing that... That jumped out at me the most uh, with Peraza was, you know, seeing that he had was projected to get the second most plate appearances on the team, but you know, Brandon Phillips was still in the picture when Zips was run, which kind of jumped out as like, oh, maybe uh, maybe Zips really likes him. So that that's that's an interesting perspective to get. From. Yeah, and so I always had the people I had to explain this to every year because they'll be like. Hey, how come you have the Reds projected to start 350 games? Like, no, I don't. I don't. Please read the disclaimer. I I don't want to answer this question again. They're going to have runs. Wins. Yeah. Like, no, no, I don't. I know they play 162 games, and they'll win fewer than half of those. Uh, I know they're not going to win 211. Please go away. Uh, but that's, 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 that's part of working in media is people 
who don't understand you, and they violently don't understand you. <laughs> oh, yes. My, my, my all-time favorites are the uh, – I'm going to comment on the headline of an article without reading it. Uh, people, because they obviously have the definitive opinions, but they don't have enough time to read what the counter-opinion is. They just want to tell you anyway. <laughs> yeah, and, and, to, and they, they always get mad at me on Twitter, and then I'm not very nice. I, I, I am I am slightly of a sarcastic bent. <laughs> you you sarcastic never I never 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 of course not. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I just uh, I'm digging through some more of the numbers right now and just trying to look at some stuff that, that jumps off the page at me. And uh, I'm coming back to Arismendi Alcantara as well, who I guess is Good a guy that Ol Arismendi. I was going to say Ol Arismendi because. He's popped up as uh, a decently projectable player, uh, I think going back to at least 2014, I know 2015, but I think maybe even 2014 uh, on Zips. Because I remember when the Reds first claimed him uh, uh, earlier in the offseason, digging back through some of the numbers. And uh, I know Zips was relatively high on him uh, back when he was with the Cubs. uh, And it looks like he still has at least some of the projectability um, because I guess he's what? He's still just 25 years old. Um, That's the kind of, I think... Of everything that the Reds have done this offseason, which hasn't been uh, a lot of earth moving, but it's been a lot of kind of small incremental moves. Um, bringing in a guy like Alcantara, who's still 25, and giving him, you know, at least in theory, the inside track for being a utility player as opposed to uh, their MO in recent years of giving it to guys who are 34 and 35 and haven't been good in three or four skip years. Schumacher. Yeah, skip right. Schumacher. Yeah, I, occasionally have, I occasionally have, you know, psychotic fugues when I think of Skip Schumacher. <laughs> Schumacher and, uh, and Jack Hanahan. Yes. We, yeah, we still we still get uh, Schumacher flashbacks every oh, once in a while. I'm still amazed that that Brennan Bosch had actually was yeah. actually on the 2015 Reds. There was literally no reason for that. You could go down to the river and pick a random bystander that's under 30, and they would have had a better chance of being a major leaguer than Brennan Bosch. I think it was that. It was also the same year that they had Kevin Gregg and once signed Carlos Marmol uh, midseason to a minor league deal too. So yes, those those was were that deep. The Jason Marquis year or was that 2014? No, I think 15 was Marquis because last year was that was yeah, yeah that was him yeah. too. Yeah. Oh good lord, what a it year! It was a whole gauntlet of sadness that spring because that's the less when we talk about Arizmendi Alcantara, that's what the 2015 Reds didn't do. Right. They, they did not look because yeah. some of the pieces, a lot of these pieces aren't going to be stars. Arismendi Alcantara is not going to be a star, but he might be a really poor man's Tony Phillips, and that's useful. Uh, yeah, exactly. But right. Skip Schumacher, even if he had, say, a 400 on base percentage, the best thing you can say about Schumacher is he's going to be 36 next year. That, that's it. It doesn't mean anything to the Reds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it's good to see that, 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 that this part accumulation is focusing not just on. Get on trying to develop prospects, but also the lesser pieces because the lesser pieces make make a lot of the foundation of a team, and sometimes you're surprised by them. Uh, like you look at the Astros, they were surprised to an extent by Dallas Keuchel, but they never would have found Dallas Keuchel if they had signed, say, Kyle Kendrick instead and given him that job. I know I, I always pick on Kyle Kendrick because he's like the most generic six starter you can think of that a bad <laughs> team would sign. <laughs> but he's, sometimes yeah, he's, you find gems, and sometimes it's not a gem. Sometimes it's like a quarter. And I mean, finding a quarter on the ground isn't bad, as long as you're yeah. counting on it to be a quarter. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. If it's a quarter, I mean, it doesn't have like some weird disease. But I don't think 
that sounds like an, something like like a an overprotective mom would tell you. You know, don't pick up quarters that give you the AIDS. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but I digress. Uh, but no, I, I I agree with you completely on that. I think uh, Alcantara is, is a no risk guy, but in the, in the realm of no risk guys that they've signed over the last half decade in the the Miguel Cairo role and the Jack Hanahan role, this is actually somebody who they can rotate around the diamond to give playing time to and still learn something about, you know, and still find out whether or not they have something that, yeah. that might be not just a value to them, but a value to somebody else. Uh, whereas the other guys, like you said, Skip Schumacher get on base percentage 400 uh, for you know, 100 at bats. And that's not going to change anybody's opinion about him because he's 36 and he's not supposed to be doing that. Um, Alcantara at least looks like a guy who could potentially show something that other teams might still value. Um, and kind of echoing that when the Red signed Desmond Jennings, obviously Jez- Jennings is, uh, five years older and coming off back-to-back years where injuries kind of derailed him. Um, but in theory, he still shouldn't be totally toast. Um, but he obviously got signed after uh, the Zips projections came out. Um, what can you tell me about what Desmond Jennings uh, kind of profiles as being, uh, according to Zips for 2017? Well, I actually believe they're up at Fangrass.com, even as oh. we speak. I gave that? them to Dave Appleman oh. over the weekend, and they are in the player profile pages at Fangrass.com. Uh uh, it, it has him as as a decent player. It has him as a his line in Cincinnati is projected at two forty five, three twenty one, four oh nine, ninety seven OPS plus, above average defense and left, uh, one point three WAR, and only three hundred or so projected plate appearances. I think it's like four oh three, three oh three. Three eleven, uh, yeah, yeah. I just pulled it up. Nice, nice. So hey, so that he, looks like another another savvy signing potentially. Yeah. He actually has value because, I mean, he's not really old. He's 30, not 35. He's someone – see, when teams take flyers on older players, it should be someone that has an uncertain upside, uh, someone who might actually have upside, like Rich Hill. The reason that paid off as a flip for the A's last year is because he was a one-year signing because of the uncertainty around him. And that's the benefit of being a bad team, is that you can take on this kind of uncertainty. That a player might be bad should be absolutely meaningless to a poor team that's rebuilding. A poor team should only be interested in the upside. And Desmond Jennings has an uncertain upside. He's shown in the past that he could be a legitimate major league starter that's above average, but he's had some injury problems. So to bring in an older player is fine if there's uncertainty. Uh, if we, I hate this... Well, actually, I don't hate to pick on Skip Schumacher. I love it. But to go back to Skip Schumacher, there was no uncertainty about Schumacher. He had a one-year deal, not because there was some uncertainty whether he would be good or bad. He was just a one-year deal because he was lousy. And there's no benefit to that kind of flyer. You were never going to flip Skip Schumacher. You were never going to flip Jason Marquis or Brennan Bosch. But you might flip Desmond Jennings. Well, and speaking of kind of those type of guys, the Reds brought in Ryan Rayburn over the weekend, and uh, I I think he probably seems to be more along the lines of an one of those older Skip Schumacher. Type yeah, I'm not as big a fan of guys. It doesn't look like signing. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't look like Zips likes him very much at all. No, I mean they didn't make fifty of these signings like the right, Braves no. did. I mean, you look at the Braves lineup; right. they're not going to have any. They're probably going to have two players under 25 on the roster. That's a team that's not finding out information. That's a team that's trying to win 80 games one year to pretend that that's progress. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, right. I think a lot of what, what that sounds like, Which, uh, what you're talking about, is kind of what the Reds ended up having fall in their lap with Dan Sterling last year. Um, and I feel like they were fairly wise in especially targeting a guy that Zips likes as much as Luis Castillo at still his young level. Uh, but they got a guy that they spent nothing on. They didn't really expect a whole lot out of, but it's shown at least once in his career uh, that when things fall completely correct, uh, he can be valuable both to the Reds and might attract the glimmer or the glance from some other organization. And I feel like the Reds did a pretty good job cashing in on uh, on Straley when they did. Pulling up his Zips projections right now for Miami, he profiles as just about a one-win player. Um, the difference between him and Scott Feldman in terms of the expectations of 2017 uh, pretty much aren't that different. Obviously, Straley profiles is slightly better, uh, but that's the kind of marginal difference I think that that made it kind of uh, – how to say this? Um, it suggests the Reds almost thought, hey, we might be able to get out of Scott Feldman – about as much as we could expect to get out of Dan Straley next year. Let's cash in and get the, the the replacement and roll the dice on him and see if that happens too. Yeah, that's not unreasonable at all. It was very good to cash it in. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm hard on the Reds at times. I mean, I'm hard on every team at times if I don't like what they're doing. But I think they made a really smart decision to to cash in at the height of his value. Dan Straley's value was never going to get higher. I mean, we're talking with a guy who still had a FIP that was near five last year. He's not... Kyle Hendricks, uh, that's 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 not in the cards. Uh, I, sorry, I couldn't think of a red specific pun, so I picked a cardinal specific pun. Hopefully, you'll excuse me for that. Um, but yeah, if you have to cash in on guys like that at the height of their value, and that's what they did, they would never have gotten a legitimate prospect for him before the season, and I don't think they'd get a prospect as good as Luis Castillo after the season. So why not? I mean. Let's say he's he's a one-win player and he pitches 180 innings for the Reds if he had stayed with Cincinnati. It's like, who cares? That's not going to be a part of the next good Reds team. Right. That's a good way to put it. Um, I'm just trying to think about this. Looking back, 2016 specifically, uh, so that was the first full year that the Reds were going to have Adam Duvall um, kind of in their organization and – not necessarily uh, the expected starting left fielder, future thirty run home or thirty home run hitter, and National League All Star, but Zips was relatively high on the production that Duvall could provide last year if he got the playing time, and he did get the playing time, and he obviously produced quite well relative to I think all of our expectations. Um, he turned out to be a much better defender. Uh, at least in terms of how he was graded out last year than I know I ever expected. Obviously, he's a, a corner infielder for most of the minor league career and getting thrown out in left field, I didn't expect a whole lot. Uh, but obviously, he showed himself fairly well there. Um, it seems like he's got a pretty similar uh, uh, projection for 2017 than he did his 2016, which is a guy who's not going to walk a lot, but when he hits the ball, it's going to go really freaking far. Um I guess that makes it look a little bit better than what the second half of his year last year uh, really looked like. And so I, I'm hoping that Adam Duvall can kind of replicate what it was he pulled off. And it seems like Zips thinks that might be possible. Yeah, he's going to hit a lot of home runs. And it was another good example of taking a chance. I mean, he was not a highly sought after prospect. Yeah, he was acquired as part of the Mike League trade. But if you if the Reds had gone after Adam Duvall at some other point, it's not like the Giants would have said, give us Joey Votto. Uh, I mean, maybe they would have that, but that would have been absolutely insane. Uh, but they took a chance with him. He'll hit 30 home runs for a few years. And then they'll cash him in to a slower team like the Mets. <laughs> Maybe they'll get another Wilson Herrera for, for, for Adam Duvall in two or three years. It's possible. 
You know, Sandy Alderson and Walt Jockey spend a lot of time working together, and I guess they do kind of have similar strategies, don't they? <laughs> I don't know. It's Sandy Alderson's tricky, and that's also an organizational thing because you can see sometimes a Sandy Alderson mood move. I mean, we're talking about a guy who is Billy Bean's mentor. Yeah, uh, true. <laughs> but sometimes you think, what are they doing? Like, like the whole outfield, like oh, we don't need a center fielder; it'll just happen for us. <laughs> Sorry, that's. I have this ongoing problem where anybody I imitate just sounds like Bullwinkle. <laughs> I was thinking Goofy, but it was totally Bullwinkle. You're right. Uh, uh, it was Goofy. I don't know. It's just it's just my generic impersonating somebody voice. <laughs> you can tell me, Dan, impersonate Angela Merkel. Oh, I don't know. Look at me. I'm the German Chancellor. <laughs> See, because I, I I don't I'm not a I'm not a I'm not an impressionist. <laughs> Oh Lord, um, I guess uh, my last question, and Beak, I don't know if you get something else as well, but uh, I feel like the guy who kind of consistently gets overlooked uh, on the Reds' whole prospect grouping and young guys and uh, recent draftees uh, around the middle infield because you've got so many names and so many moving parts uh, is Eugenio Suarez. Uh, he's a guy who. Uh, you know, at least he hit well in his limited time playing shortstop. Uh, but with Cozart still around, Peraza and Herrera coming in, uh, Nick Senzel obviously as the you know in theoretical fast track prospect from being drafted last year. Uh, Suarez's name kind of gets like bumped to the back burner for all this, but he's a guy who consistently gets projected to be a two two and a half win player. He's hit twenty home runs already in his career, um, and I think personally he's got a glove that deserves at least a little bit of a chance to potentially be the red shortstop. After Zach Cozart leaves, um, what about Eugenio Suarez kind of stands out to you and why is he consistently rated as a good, good player or a good solid regular by Zips? Well, he was always kind of underrated as a prospect. We're talking about a player who had a 380 on base percentage or, or something like that as a 20 year old in, 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 in full season ball. Uh, he, he developed pop fairly early in his major, in his minor league career, and he was always young for his level. Uh, so Zips has always been a fan of of Suarez. It liked the return for Alfredo Simon, essentially. Yeah. Better than Zips likes the return for Todd Frazier or Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> as as cruel a joke as that sounds like I'm, be, I'm making to you guys, Zips actually projects Suarez's career. Sorry, Dad, I can't hear you. I've got, my, I've got my fingers stuck in my head and ears right now, and I'm just screaming out loud because I'm going to ignore that it ever <laughs> happened. But yeah. Um, but no, I agree with you because like Suarez, I look up and I'm like, okay, he's got on-base skills. Obviously, he's shown the power that's already translated to the major league level. Um, even if he's just an average or slightly below average defender at shortstop, uh, that's an incredibly valuable player for a guy who's what, just now 25 years old? Um, yeah, people act like he's old. He's not old. It, to some, it might feel like he's almost a veteran at this point. We're like, no, that was his age 24 season. He he came up very young. Yeah. He was 22 in Detroit. Yeah. And so I, I keep looking at him and I keep seeing what he's done. I keep seeing the projections surrounding him. And I keep asking myself, you know, why have we already moved past this guy? Why is he the one who's going to get moved to left field when they trade Duvall? Or when Sinzel comes up, he's going to get turned into a utility player. Uh, I look at Suarez and I say, hey, he's still young enough to be, quote unquote, a prospect. I mean, Todd Frazier wasn't even a, a full-time regular until he was already older than Suarez is right now. Uh, I look up and I say, hey, 
you know, next four or five years, this guy looks like he could be a very, very solid centerpiece of the Reds' middle infield. Uh, why is he the one who keeps getting bumped and moved? Uh, and I feel, I feel like with Sinzel kind of over his shoulder, that continues to be the narrative, so to speak, in, in, in Reds' fandom. Uh, and I don't quite understand it because I feel like if anybody deserves – uh, the shot to succeed Zach Cozart at shortstop, based on what they've done and based on what their uh, their minor league profile suggests, it's Eugenio Suarez. Yeah, uh, one of the things about Suarez is is he always feels a little like Johnny Peralta in his early career, where everyone just wanted to move Peralta off shortstop like all the time right. uh, in Cleveland. Like, no, he has to be a third base now. Peralta was bigger than Suarez, uh, but Suarez is like a is is he's not fat, but I mean he's like stocky. Yeah, he's not like scrawny. Uh, I don't know. I, I have limited adjectives to describe male body types, I think. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, but I think uh, when they look at it is, okay, where do we put him? Well, Peraza's probably the better defensive player in the middle infielder, middle infield, and Herrera's probably, and Senzel, and and then you think, okay, well, then he's the obvious guy to move. Uh, it's very possible that he's traded at some point to a team that can use him, just because if the Reds sort through all their middle infielders, and they have a surplus there. I mean, you are probably going to trade from your surplus there because it's silly to have extra middle infielders hanging around doing nothing. It's, it's. I can't think of an analogy right now, I don't know why, but you, you do want to trade surpluses before they evaporate because you don't know how long you're going to keep them. Yeah. Uh, so he's probably someone who could be traded the next few years. Yeah, I guess he will be. His, his service time has been has been ticking upwards uh, a lot more frequently than the others have as well. So I guess he would be the first one to be expensive out of that group. But yeah, I just I look up at him and I'm like, okay, well the Reds finally found a good regular. They 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 got him for nothing. They flipped Alfredo Simon and then got Alfredo Simon back, which I wish they hadn't done. Uh, but yeah, they, that, that's one of those weird things. Yeah. It's like one of those Aesop's fables where you tr- where like some court jester trades a pie to a king for a crown. And then the next day gets the pie back for some reason. Kind of like when the New York Yankees get like a great left-handed reliever for nothing because of off the field issues. And then they trade him for uh, one of the top 10 prospects of the game and then go out and sign him afterwards anyway. And the Reds get like double the egg on their face. Yeah. It's like, okay, we <laughs> traded, we traded this, this cheap player for this awesome one. Now let's get the cheap player back too. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I guess one thing that I I think we can definitively say about this is that when I look up at this, you know, the list of the players on the Reds Zips projections, finally for the first time in a while, I don't see like five guys that I know are going to be gone at some point in the next month or three months or six months. At least it looks like a lot of guys who, in theory, if they don't get flipped for uh, a consolidation trade and to go out and get an established star, guys who are going to continue to be on this list for years to come because they're young, they're growing, and at least the Reds have got that young core that they're expecting to grow into something good, whether or not it does or not, I don't know, but at least it doesn't look like there's a lot more turnover left to happen. Uh, so from a progress perspective, I guess that's a good thing. No, absolutely. It's a team that has made a lot of progress. Uh, when they started rebuilding, I did feel that they were a little slow about some of the things they really, as tough as it was, they really should have traded Todd Frazier at that deadline after the all-star game. Uh, but they waited too long, and they probably waited too long to trade Chapman, too. Obviously, you can't predict the off-the-field stuff, but with a picture, the longer you wait, the longer something's going to happen. The more likely something's going to happen to to kind of screw you over for waiting. Uh, something the A's have discovered with Sonny Gray and the and the White Sox might discover with Jose Quintana. Uh, right. I, I, I didn't think that the, that the rebuilding got off to a good start. 
I felt it was slow, and they were postponing tough decisions. But I think in the last year or so, they've done a much better job, but they really need to keep at it, because there's still there's still some players that have value and some decisions that are going to be need to be made. Right on. Well, thank you so much for being on, Dan. Yeah, thank you uh, much. Always, always a pleasure to have you on this time of year. Go uh, follow Dan on Twitter, at DSomborski, and uh, follow us on Twitter, at Redder Boyer. 